You're welcome again to Colavari Creativity Series. This is a podcast that is focused on exploring the world of creativity and innovation. My name is Zika and I facilitate this podcast. This is the fourth episode in the series. And if you're just joining us, if you're new to listening to this podcast, you're very, very welcome. You're welcome to the family. Please do subscribe and um, share with your friends. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for following the series from the beginning. We do appreciate you. And please stay tuned till the end. We have an exciting announcement for everyone who listens. Okay, so um, the third episode, we had a guest, Olaolu, and we talked about um, creativity and the brain. It was a very, very interesting episode. Um, I think one of the things that stood out from the episode is when we talked about the two networks of the brain that help generate new ideas. That is the default mode network and the control network. The default mode network is the one that generates the idea while the control network like filters that idea that is being generated by the default mode network if you want to know more about that please go and listen to the full episode it's available on collaborate websites as well as um, Deezer, teacher google podcast and every other podcast directory that you love to listen to as always you know that i'm never alone here i will always have aziz <laughs> with me hi aziz how are you doing i'm fine are you zika i'm doing very well so, have you been? What have you been up to? A lot. I've been reading, I've been researching, and I've been listening. Nice. Um, there's a podcast I, I've been listening to that's been very insightful called The Rise and Fall of Carlos Ghosn. It's a four-part series on HBIRO's podcast called IdeaCast. Now, Carlos Ghosn at one point was a super CEO. He was running three companies at one point in time was running Renault, Nissan, and Mitsubishi until he was arrested in 2018. Um, but there are several things to learn from that podcast. I want to focus on one thing, okay? okay. Um, Carlos was very successful in, in turning around Nissan. And um, there were two things that he introduced from a cultural perspective that made that possible. But I'll focus on one of them. Now, the first thing he did when he took over Nissan, one of the things he did was to put in place a culture of delivering on commitments, okay? But the second thing for me, it was important and in line with what we are emphasizing in this series. Carlos Ghosn put in place cross-functional teams to drive and improve performance. Innovation went up. Now, Nissan at that time had a blame culture. People and teams worked in silos. And people were used to deflecting responsibility, okay? Carlos Ghosn was not just innovation. Carlos Ghosn was, Carlos Ghosn was innovative himself. And I felt he was innovative because of, of who he was. Carlos Ghosn was a Lebanese that was born in Brazil, schooled in Lebanon and in France, had worked in the U.S., and was now working in Japan at that point in time. So... He, he didn't use cross-functional things because he read about it. He believed in cross-functional things because who he was was because of his diversity yeah. and his cross-functionality. And that really made an impact on Nissan. Most of the ideas that turned around Nissan came from the teams that were formed internally. And the ideas that they came up with were turned around Nissan. So for me, the whole point on cross-functional team that we mentioned in episode 
one and episode two really has an impact on any company. So I would advise anybody try to listen to that um, podcast. Very, very insightful, very rich. Okay. I'd like to listen to that as well. Thank you very much for that, Aziz. Um, let's jump into what we have for today. Um, we'll be looking at the SIT creativity method. And um, SIT means the systematic inventive thinking. And um, the foundational belief of SIT is that true creativity happens inside the box and not outside the box as we tend to believe. I mean, I used to think that creativity happens yeah. outside the box. Think outside the box. Yeah, when you're like, fixed, I'm, think outside the exactly, box. Exactly. Yeah. And every time, even at work, you're told, think outside the box. But we had an interview um, in the past week with Drew Boyd, and he he had a very different opinion, and it was a very insightful interview. Drew Boyd is a global leader in creativity and innovation. He's an international public speaker, an award-winning author and innovation blogger, as well as a university professor. He teaches teams, businesses, and governments how to solve tough problems to create a culture of innovation and a flowing pipeline. Drew Boyd, along with Jacob Goldenberg, wrote the book Inside the Box, a proven system of creativity for breakthrough results. Now let's listen to Drew introduce himself. Um, during my career in the corporate world, I remember spending many hours searching for a method of coming up with great ideas. And it was very frustrating because I would buy books and I would buy um, journal articles and I was looking for the secret answer. What would, what would teach me how to uh, generate great ideas? And it was, wasn't until I found Jacob Goldenberg and his research about patterns and that I, I knew I had something that was unique. And so, um, so I, I began using this in my corporate experience. Uh, for, for the benefit of your listeners, I'm a former corporate executive with the healthcare company Johnson & Johnson. Um, and I retired from there in 2009. I'm a full-time professor, but I'm still very active in teaching the SIT method and writing about it, podcasting about it, and teaching others, as is uh, Jacob. You know, we really believe this this technique is the best out there for the broadest amount of people. Uh, and this this method, SIT, can be used by children. It can be used by CEOs and everybody in between. Uh, and so that's what I like about it is that it is accessible. Um, but and that's, that's a brief story about my background and a little bit how I met Jacob. We have become great friends since then and we're always looking for new projects to work together on. Inside the Box was the second book I bought in my creativity journey. And it was the basis of the training I facilitated in my previous company that was like the precursor to the Colavari Creativity Series. All of these I had mentioned in episode one. So far, it's been an interesting journey with SIT for me. I like how Aziz reads. Like, he reads a lot. And every time he gives me one of these books to read, and I read just randomly, over the week I realized that, you know, 
if I if I can say so myself, I'm becoming very creative <laughs> because you know a lot of you don't know you're reading these things, you're ingesting yeah. them, but sometimes when you have to do something, it just pops up somewhere, exactly. and then you use it for something. So, thank you very much for being for being a reader. <laughs> okay, Drew defined creativity in um, his own way, so we want to hear what he defined creativity as. Creativity is the the process that goes on in your head the cognitive process, the series of steps that you follow inside your brain to produce an idea. So creative thinking is is just that. It's it's putting your your brain through a series of steps to generate an idea. The the way it does creativity, the creative act is is this. Most people don't realize that what creativity is is nothing more than the sudden collision of two previously unrelated themes. Or things. So if I take a computer mouse and I take my coffee cup and I imagine the two together, I force them together to create a new idea. And I just came up with an idea. Imagine a coffee cup <clears throat> that is also your mouse and you move, move it around on your desk like I do. <laughs> and all of a sudden it, it has properties of your mouse. And so that's all creativity is. And people like Steve Jobs at Apple knew that. He knew that creativity is just combining things. And so what SIT does is it forces your mind to do that combination in a way that no other method does. And it does it effectively using uh, the strongest patterns of creativity. Now, innovation is different than creativity. Innovation is when you take a creative idea and put it into practice. So creativity is what goes on in your head to produce the idea. Innovation is what goes on outside of your head with all your colleagues to put an idea into practice. Zika, permit me for sound like a broken record, as they say, but I always have to refer to previous episodes. Yeah. Now, Drew was able to distinguish between creativity, idea generation, and innovation, idea implementation, just like we did in episode Episode one. one. Yes, yes. So that's why you need to listen to episode one if you haven't listened and even episode two and three because there's one or two things you can learn before listening to this episode. Okay, so the whole concept of thinking outside the box is something that is widely accepted now. And the question on everybody's mind will be, how did we come to believe this in the first place? And um, Drew has a very different opinion. Let's hear what he says about this. Many people think, Creativity is a, uh, an, a function of thinking outside the box, thinking in a divergent way, searching for ideas. And, and what research has shown is that that is not true. Uh, it's, it's actually very inefficient to send your mind out in an unconstrained space without anything to attach to. And where the, the famous phrase, thinking outside the box, comes from, It's actually from a uh, research study that was done in the 1970s by a researcher here in the U.S. named P.J. Guilford. Dr. Guilford did a study using a famous puzzle, an old famous puzzle called the nine-dot puzzle. I'm willing to bet your listeners have heard of the nine-dot puzzle. It's It's a puzzle with nine dots arranged in a box, three rows of three. And in the, in the study, what Guilford did is he gave participants this p- puzzle 
and they had to solve it by drawing four straight lines through all nine dots without lifting your pencil. And if if your listeners have not heard of this, they should try it now because it's hard. It's tricky. Now, if if you've done the puzzle before, you know that the secret is you have to draw lines that extend outside the box created by the nine dots. And when you do that, you essentially solve the puzzle and see more creative solutions. And that's where Guilford said, geez, if we could just get people to think outside the box, they could be more creative. Well, (laughs) that's great, except what most people don't know is two other researchers did the exact same study, but told people the answer. They told people the answer. And guess what? They, they did not improve on Guilford's results at all. They couldn't solve it any better than what Guilford's uh, success rate, which was about 20%, something like that. So thinking outside the box is not the answer. In fact, thinking outside the box is a complete myth. What happens is it shuts the mind down when you're overwhelmed with too many options. And we like to think that thinking inside the box constrains your mind into a much more manageable space. And by that, you're able to produce richer and more interesting ideas more uh, productively than if you just try to think in a divergent way. Constraints are not a barrier to one's creative output. In fact, constraints are a necessary condition for creativity to occur. Uh, And this has been proven over and over in many research studies And so when we created the SIT method, when the SIT method was developed, the whole idea is to tightly bound the thinking into a a well-defined area that we call the closed world. And that's the area right around where the product or service or problem is happening in the immediate vicinity, just right around you. And why? Because when you force yourself to create something within this tight space, you're going to be more more creative and more effective than if you had much more space to operate in. It, it goes against logic, but it, it's true. And I've seen it over and over and over again. There's so much out there that we believe, but not true. So much. Thinking without a context is difficult. And this is what happens when we try to think outside the box. Thinking inside the box, on the other hand, gives us a context to think from. So I'll we'll use a quick example, Zika, okay? Okay. So, situation one. Zika, draw something creative. Okay, anything. Anything, something. Draw something creative. Time's up. <laughs> Already? <laughs> yes. Okay. Situation two. Draw a house and be creative in your drawing. Aha. Time's up. So, what's the difference between these situations from your own point of view? Okay, so with the first situation, I had to first of all start thinking, what should I draw? You know, it, my brain had was wondering basically. Yeah. But with the second situation, there was a context, yes, which is draw a house. So now I know that I have to begin to think about a house and how to be creative during the house which was easy and simpler and, and, and i think with that example it gives us more understanding of why thinking within the box m- makes us more creative because yeah. it gives us a focus yeah gives us a context, context. from which to, to think from and yeah. that makes creativity a lot easier mm. 
Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, now we're moving into talking about SIT. Um, let's listen to what Drew had to say about SIT and how this addresses the creativity question. SIT is a method based on patterns. What the interesting story is that for thousands of years, everyday innovators have used patterns in their inventions, usually without even realizing it. And those patterns are now embedded into the products and services you see around you every day. Think of the patterns as the DNA of a product or service. Imagine if you had a way to take that DNA and reapply it to a product or service that you wanted to innovate or, or a problem or an organization, anything you wanted to generate ideas for. These patterns can, can help you do that. What's surprising based on Jacob Goldenberg's research is that most innovations in the world can be explained by just five patterns. That's it, five patterns. And so the SIT method is a collection of five techniques and a set of principles that taken together allow an individual to be creative really anytime they want. So Drew mentioned five patterns of five techniques, okay, used in SIT and they are subtraction, division, multiplication, task unification, and attribute dependency. Depending on what you want to work on, you could choose one of these techniques to help you think creatively and arrive at a creative solution. So Zika, let's use an example. Can you pick anything? Um, a pair of glasses. A pair of glasses, okay. Yeah. So the first thing you do with SIT is, um, so let's pick one of the techniques that we'll use. What will you subtraction subtraction okay that's fine okay so the first thing you do with SIT is you make a component list of the eyeglasses so what are the components um the frame frame the lenses lenses the eye holder the eye placer or the eye holder yeah the eye okay. placer yeah so that's fine so that's fine so with subtraction you will take out one of the key components that you have just listed what would that be for you? It would be the lenses. The lenses. Okay. Now, so the question now is, what can you do with a pair of glasses that has no lens? Are you asking me? Yes. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's what SIT does. It oh. places a constraint on you that you have to think of what you can do with what has been placed before you. Okay, so we've taken down the lenses from, from, from the, the glasses, glasses yeah. and we're asking ourselves, what? what use can we get from a pair of glasses that has no lens? So it still has the frame, it still has the frame, the still has the eye holder. Mm. I mean, so, so that's typically how SIT works. So mm. it places constraint on you and you start to think differently in ways that you might never have thought about before. And going down one of those lines, you can come up with a creative idea. And that's how... SIT works. It's very easy. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> so while I think about this question as it's put before me, let's go on a quick break. We'll be right back. Bolivara Solutions is a people-focused human resources firm based in Nigeria. We are curious about people, learning, and innovation. 
we seek to build collaborative relationships with organizations in their quest to discover and develop the talents they require to win. At Collaborate Solutions, we are willing to explore innovative ways of developing the careers of those we work with. We are focused on working with organizations in building a culture of learning and innovation that empowers the people to excel. To learn more about Colavera Solutions, visit our website at www.colaverasolutions.com. Follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Colavera Solutions. Okay, we are back. I still don't have an answer, but I'm sure before the next episode, I'll have an answer. Okay, so we had Drew share with us um, examples of a product and processes that were a result of the SIT creativity thinking, and I'm sure that you want to hear these examples as well. So the five techniques have been used by, by companies uh, all around the world to produce new ideas and new insights. So subtraction, for example, a, uh, a bank in South Africa, uh, in fact, it was the Bank of South Africa, used the subtraction technique to consider uh, an acquisition strategy. The Bank of South Africa wanted to acquire new banks and it was struggling to figure out which ones to buy. So I helped them apply the subtraction technique and the way we did it is we imagined taking one component away from South Africa Bank and then imagining what bank it would go by to help replace that function. So for imagine we say the Bank of South Africa has no employees. That's crazy, of course. Uh, but if you said now it doesn't have any employees, now what bank would we want to buy that would be that would have the perfect set of employees that that represent the kind of brand we are and want to become. Would we get more diverse, more educated, less educated, uh, younger, uh, more technologically savvy, more customer centric? So that process helped them, and they went out with one application of subtraction and and decided to buy four four banks. Uh, task unification is a great technique. Um, it has been used by one of my clients that makes pharmaceutical products. Uh, it's in the U.S. It's called Eli Lilly. Lilly. It's probably very prevalent in Germany or in, in, uh, in Africa as well, as well as parts of Europe, Germany, and Asia. It's a global company. Eli Lilly used the process to innovate their sales function. So they imagine... Each step of the sales function now had an additional job. So this, so they, we listed out the steps of the sales function and then randomly picked the steps, step, step six, for example. And imagine saying step six now has the additional job of get helping people understand the kind of drug that they have. Okay. So what we did is came up with new ways to envision their sales process applying t- task unification. Multiplication was used by the consumer goods company Procter & Gamble, based here in Cincinnati. They used it to create a new product for the home. It was an air freshener 
that had two versions of the freshening scent. Uh, and one, each one is different. And it's a great, great product. Division is the process of taking a product, you divide it and rearrange it. Uh, it's a very popular product. So any type of control system, like a thermostat or a remote control, anytime you take something that controls the unit and put it somewhere else, or the pilot of an aircraft, when you take the pilot of an aircraft and, and put them on the ground, um, what do you have now? A drone. <laughs> a drone. And and the, and finally, attribute dependency is a, is a technique where you create correlations between two attributes. It's a it's a technique that helps you make products that are smart and adjustable. So, for example, a company here in the U.S. makes uh, air conditioning equipment, and they used the uh, attribute dependency technique to create new versions of their monitoring system that monitors more about the house than just temperature. It monitors how many people are home. It monitors if there are pets. It monitors uh, time of day. And it adjusts its operation based on all these other factors in the house. I really like the attribute dependency technique. Yeah. Companies that want to explore creative ways of giving incentives or discounts will find this technique very interesting. Yeah, sure. But you know that implementing some of these innovation techniques can actually, you know, could be frustrating. But, Tell me um, about that. <laughs> with all the books that I read. Tell you me know, about that. Yeah. You know, yeah, but um, Drew, Drew shares with us some of his experiences with SIT. So let's listen to that. I always wanted to find a method that would help me be, generate better ideas. And so... Um, I just knew that techniques like brainstorming, they just didn't work very well. And I was, I, I always hated going to brainstorming sessions because I thought, I, I kept thinking, gosh, this, there's got to be something better than this. Yeah. If, if, I mean, is, if this is all there is, we're in, we're in pretty sad shape. And so I would go out and uh, research uh, different people and companies that claimed to have a method. And what I found is many of these companies essentially took basic brainstorming and just changed it a little bit. It was still brainstorming. And they would give it a new name and they would give it a new, you know, new sexy look and everything else. And so you had all these crazy techniques like brain writing, um, you have a new one that just came out recently. It's called Sleep Storming. <laughs> and so these these were all variations of brainstorming. They would take, instead of brain, they would put a new word in there along with storming to create something new. Or they would take brain and attach a new verb to it. Uh, and all they were were brainstorming, divergent techniques, the same as brainstorming. And then I started to do the research on brainstorming, the real scientific research, and found that for 60 years now, researchers have known that brainstorming doesn't work. I was shocked when I read the original literature. And what's interesting today is that researchers in the field of psychology don't even 
debate whether or not brainstorming works. They they don't it's 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 over. It's it's our it's settled science. Yet here we are in the corporate world using brainstorming and teaching in our schools with a method that has been proven not to work. That is frustrating. And and when I go out and tell people this research, uh, they they like to not believe it. I think they they say no 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 I've used it it works. No it 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 and they're missing the the important question works compared to what? And they don't have any experience with SIT. If they did, they would see that SIT produces so much more than brainstorming. Brainstorming is good for low level decisions like where should we have lunch today <laughs> or where should i park my car today <laughs> you know not very important decisions it's okay to do a little brainstorming just unaided ideation but if you're if you're depending on it for your career i have to tell you you're in you're in sad shape you you really need to think about a method of ideation that has more power to it, more dependability uh, and and uh, repeatability, and this is why I like SAT. It's it has great science behind it. It has great experience behind it, and it's accessible by all. I mean, it's amazing why we keep doing stuff that does not work really <laughs> amazing i mean just the way thinking outside the box is so prevalent same with brainstorming, brainstorming it's, yeah it's it's i mean if you are stuck it's like let's brainstorm, brainstorm. Mm. you know it's really amazing i mean i just i just find um, um drew explanation of this point so refreshing you know and you know the truth sid is a very simple method that anybody can use and it, and it also helps to demystify the mystery around creativity. You know, but we also asked you to, to enlighten us why creativity has remained so mysterious, especially in the workplace where it is so, so needed. Let's listen to Drew. Well, it, brain, um, creativity is mysterious because it seems to be... Uh, it seems to be something that only special people that are born with this ability can do. And so most people don't think of themselves as creative and they compare themselves to people like, you know, Pablo Picasso or you know, um, famous musicians or, and they go, well, I could never do that. So therefore I'm not creative. And that's a big mistake. Anybody can be creative no matter where you're starting from on the creativity scale. I've taught SIT to children with cognitive disabilities. I mean, very low, very low cognitive skills, people with Down syndrome and things. And so the mystery comes from this, this belief that only super creative people can be, uh, have the skill to generate great ideas. Um, I, I think the other thing about the mystery of of creativity, it's perpetuated by people who want you to believe that uh, that you need to hire them, <laughs> um, and uh, and so they they don't want you to uh, to know that creativity is not really that hard. Otherwise, you would need these expensive consultants. So 
So a lot of people continue to believe that um, creativity is is mysterious. What's true about creativity is it produces things that make you laugh, make you marvel, and make it. I mean, it's a happy event. It's an exciting event inside the body. You go, oh, I have this great idea, and and people's face gets all excited and their eyes light up, and and so this feeling is is unique, and around it creates this aura of mystery and happiness and joy and we call it the sudden glory this oh i have this wonderful idea that's glorious uh revelation in your head and i'd like i like people to see creating ideas as more routine uh, that you can do any day how to create and how to innovate a pair of glasses um to where now it's helping you not trip wouldn't that be great of all the inventions in the world since the beginning of time, guess what my favorite invention of all time is? Glasses. And you know why? Visual problems are the biggest disability in the world. And if you can't read or you can't drive, imagine your, the quality of your life. So eye correction, visual correction is such an important invention for the world, for every economy, for every society. So I love it. and But there's plenty more that could be invented. I mean, think about it. They're right here in our face, right? They're, they they have a, a very cherished, privileged place in our body. They're right on our face. Uh, and that gives them a, a unique, gives us a unique opportunity to do more with it, to innovate it more. Not with technology. Google Glasses, to me, is not innovative. It really isn't. Um, Google Glasses is not innovative. That's just technology putting put putting technology in a new place. Big deal. But when we can create glasses that help people not trip, using simple, you know, re- restructuring and redesign of this, where I could see and be warned or something, I think that would be pretty creative. So things I want to quickly say um, from what Drew just mentioned. I, I mean, I found it very interesting. The first one was, I think, one way of demystifying creativity is to stop seeing creativity as something that happens occasionally. Yeah. Rather, we should see creativity as something that is routine, a normal part of life. I think when we see it that way, it takes away some of the mystery that we've put around it. Yeah. Secondly, was when he talked about Google, Google Glasses not being innovative and for me that i found out very interesting and and this is why creativity really is about thinking and a lot of times people don't assume that once you automate something once you add it on something you are innovative yeah it's it that's no it's it doesn't it doesn't follow it's about thinking it's about thinking differently so you don't have to be in the it field you don't have to be in a technology field to be creative creativity is about coming up with new ideas it's about your thinking so for me i think drew's response was really just gave me a lot of um, uh, content and material to to you know to further um emphasize and highlight what we've been talking about in our previous episodes and with the clarity and understanding that has come from today's episode about thinking inside the box even makes it you know seem 
easier. Yes. So just pick something, think within that context, and then you can be creative. This episode has actually been very, very, um, has brought so much clarity, and um, we're gradually coming to the end of the interview. Um, so before Drew gives us some practical tips on how to be more creative, he told us on the things that he's up to now, what he's currently focused on, and he also talked about his new book. So let's hear him. Uh, we just launched a new book uh, last um, February of this year, 2021. And the book is called Adding Prestige to Your Portfolio. What it is, is how to use the SIT method to upgrade your product line, to bring it to a more valuable, higher prestigious level. And it applies to anything. It's not just luxury goods. It applies to eyeglasses or shoes or anything in your life that you want to upgrade. So if you're a company that has products, a portfolio of products, this book would show you how to make it part of it more prestigious. So I was excited about that. That was my third book. My podcast, um, I'm recording the 50th episode uh, this week. So I'm excited about that, 50 episodes. Yeah, I'm giving um, I'm giving thought to a new book. <clears throat> this one is going to be more about decision-making. Um, and getting people to understand the value of comparisons, uh, to make good decisions by making good comparisons. Without comparisons, it's very hard to make make decisions. You, you make a comparison between two things, and now you have context, and you, you have better understanding. So that's what the book is probably going to be about. I'm not sure when I'm going to start it. Maybe maybe today, <laughs> maybe next year, but <laughs> we'll see how I feel. Let's listen to um, some practical tips that Drew gives us on improving creativity across three categories, um, to the business owner, to team leads, and to individual contributors. Let me give you some tips on how to be more creative at but uh, and do it at the, at these three different levels of an organization. You know, if you if you're the CEO, how do you how do you think more creatively for you and your organization? But also, I'm going to give you some tips for let's say a team leader and then for an individual contributor. Well, first of all, if you're the CEO, the the most important thing is to is to see creativity as a skill, not a gift. The CEOs who want a creative organization just need to convince themselves that it's a skill that can be trained like any other skill. And so if you're a CEO that wants a, an organization that is um, has better leadership, what would you do? You would train people. If you want an organization that is has more safety-mindedness, work safety, what would you do? You would train them. And so if you want a more creative organization, what should you do? You should train them. Uh, and so the CEO has to think of creating a competent organization where creativity is valued as an important skill. That's number one. That's the most important tip I could give. Uh, now, for, if you're a team leader, here are some tips to make your team a more effective organization. First of all, it's important that you see innovation as a team sport. Uh, it, t- it takes more than one person. You, you need to create a cross-functional and diverse team. 
And what I tell team leads, for example, one way to boost your creative output of a team is to make sure you have equal balance of men and women. Men and women are equally creative, but they have a different cognitive process they go through. And when you bring men and women together, you get a better result than if you had, say, all women or all men. So, so use gender diversity as a, as a powerful way to be, become more creative. Number two, to make your team more effective, it's important to work creatively, but do it in small groups. So when I have a team be, work on a creative problem, instead of on working as a team of eight, for example, I will break the group down into four teams of two. And why? Because teams of two are much more effective than one group of eight. This is one of the reasons brainstorming doesn't work. When you work in small groups of two or three, but never four, when you work in small groups of two, you get better interaction. You're more productive. You are safer. You feel you, you don't feel uh, you're being judged and you produce better ideas. And then the third thing that a team leader can do that's very important is put the team under constraints. The team has to feel constraints of time, money, scope, policy, whatever, but create the box because if they are left without constraints, they will fail. That's the best thing the team leader can do is create a diverse team, work in small groups and put constraints on them. Now, for an individual, let's say your listeners aren't a team leader. They, they work in an organization and they or they they don't work in an organization, but they want to be more creative. Uh, the key there is to recognize that you have fixedness, that you you have um, natural and um, a, a fixedness and a bias that makes it hard for you to imagine other things that you can you can do. See creativity as the combination of two things and use a method that helps you force combinations of things like my coffee cup and the computer mouse. Uh, and, and just putting random things together will all of a sudden make you more creative. But you have to have the courage to do it. And that's why a method like SIT can do the hard part for you. Um, SIT puts combinations of things together your mind won't do on its own. So that's, that's one thing. Use patterns. And then I think the third thing to, to be more uh, creative is that uh, you want to get used to making component lists of the problem. So anytime you're innovating, let's say, eyeglasses, do you remember the first thing I did? We made a list of the components. And so I encourage people, anytime you start a creative process, take the thing that you're trying to generate ideas for a product, a process, a service, an organization, a business model, a strategy, anything, and just make a numbered list of the components. That alone can make you see creative potential that you wouldn't have seen before. And and then work one component at a time. And I find that you can be marvelously more, more creative just by taking that little step, using component lists, using constraints, and creating combinations that you normally wouldn't do. It's going to, it's going to help you see more opportunity instantly. Very enlightening. 
very rich very rich yes very refreshing and my most favorite word very interesting yeah i also like the fact that he did it across you know different yeah, categories yes yes yeah. so wherever you fit into there's something for you um i think the very first thing i learned today is um you know how thinking outside the box let me use the word overwhelms the brain yeah you know it stresses it and because there's no context to your thoughts but um thinking inside the box helps put some context to um, context and constraint and constraint exactly to what you need to be creative about and even helps you be more productive i think also the sit method that was explained was also very very um very helpful subtraction division the attributes them dependency i think um the example of the house that you used as well was very enlightening as is do you have any last words i think drew has said it all um very very rich um you know like i said we have tips for everybody the ceo the team lead on individual contributor very very rich Okay, so on this note, we would really, really, really like to appreciate Drew Boyd for granting this interview, for giving us his time. It, it's been very, 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 very enlightening, like we have been saying. And um, if you'd like to know more about SIT, please um, find and read his book, Inside the Box. And you can also follow him on um, social media platform, Drew Boyd. Ask him any questions you want to. And definitely you can reach out to Colavari Solutions as well on LinkedIn, on Instagram, at Colavari Solutions. And we'll we will be so happy to answer your questions. And in the beginning, I said that I have, um, I have an announcement to make. So who's ready to hear the announcement? Drum rolls. <laughs> okay so we are now on youtube <laughs> so you can now find colavari creativity series on youtube just search for colavari creativity series and please subscribe subscribe like share and of course drop a comment we'll be very excited to read your comments your reviews your feedback you can find the full episodes there you can find snippets just please engage on the page and if you also love to stream your music on spotify you can also find colavari creativity series on spotify now so stream alongside your music so youtube and spotify colavari creativity series this podcast is edited and produced by joshua praise the soundtrack is an original music by justa christos faith folari and joseph okafo designed the poster thank you very much for listening and as always do have a very creative week bye